Hello and welcome to Reliance's podcast. We hope that the message encourages your heart today. If you'd like to join us in person, we meet weekly on Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, or 11 o'clock a.m. And if you want to find out more about Reliance, come check us out online. jump into uh, our series today that we've been in and that we're going to continue in for this Advent season. And we, uh, we, we really had this identity this month to talk about names of God. And so we uh, entitled this series, In His Name. And if you were here last week, I'll set up why we're doing that. There were some things stirring in us for the Christmas season, and um, something about in his name just began to pop up in our conversations. Um, John 17 is where we see this. Um, you'll see it some other places, but John 17 really got brought to our attention. Jesus is praying um, in, in the last hours of his life before he's going to be arrested and then crucified. He's having this conversation with his father, so you got this Trinitarian prayer happening, beautiful. And in John 17, 12, Jesus says, while I was with them, and he's talking about his disciples, while I was with them, I kept them in your name. We're like, man, that's a profound statement. I kept them in your name. There was something that Jesus, the Son of God, saw about the name of God, which God is going to give him, because he says, it's the name in which you've given me. There's something about the name of God where Jesus was like, when they're in your name, they have everything they need. When they're in your name, they're protected. When they're in your name, they've got provision. When they're, when they're in your name, there's nothing, Lord, that I'm going to worry about because that's what I'm going to keep them in. And when they're in your name, they're good to go. So he says, I have guarded them and in your name, I have guarded them and not one of them has been lost except for the son of destruction, which he's talking about Judas there. And so we really felt like, like this word, I've kept them in your name, is something for us in this season because it's in the name of God that we see is his characteristics. It's in the names of God that we see is his namesake. It's in the names of God that we see his power. It's in the names of God that we see his promises. And so as we talk about the names of God, Proverbs 18.10 um, came to our heart when we shared this last week. And Solomon, that wasn't just, it wasn't just uh, a Jesus that was saying this. It was even men of the Old Testament. Solomon says these words in Proverbs 18.10. The name of the Lord. So he's talking about the names of the Lord. They're like a strong tower. The name of the Lord is like a strong tower. The righteous person, the, the lover of God, the one whose heart's been ravished by the Lord, the, the one who says, Jesus, you're it for me, the righteous person runs to it. I don't walk to it. I don't think it's neat. I run to it, and it says, and, it's, and is set safely on high. So there's something about the names of God that should capture our heart to give us the character of God, the power of God, the provision of God. Amen, church? And so it's in his names that we find these promises. So, so last week, we talked about El Roy, or El Roy, the God who sees me. And about how one of God's characteristics, one of his names is El Roy, the God who sees me. And why that's so profound is, if we don't believe that God sees me, it's going to be hard to believe that God can redeem me. And it's going to be hard that God can set me free. It's going to be hard that God can restore me. If I don't believe that he sees me, how in the world do I believe that he's going to set me free? Come on, church. And so we started with that name. And now today we're going to talk about a name that's maybe the most common name that you're going to see throughout, especially the Old Testament and even the New Testament on the characteristic of God. And his name is this, God is or the Lord is my shepherd. And the name is Jehovah Rohai. Jehovah Roy High, 
And some say Roy E, I say Rohai, because I like high, all right? And so it's Jehovah Rohai, and it's this, this identity that God is my shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd. Do we have any shepherds in the house? Anybody, like, actually with sheep? Anybody do sheep? Okay, see, in our culture, that's not normal. But in the culture, in other cultures, by the way, even now, and especially in their culture, a shepherd was a normal term that was used. They understood it. Anybody shepherd your family or your kids or other people like that, okay? A lot, lot more people in the house that are shepherding them. I shepherd four of my kids, and let me just tell you, shepherding is not easy, amen? Shepherding is not easy. In fact, shepherding is really, really hard work. I feel like my shepherding of my kids really revolves around three things. Finding my kids, feeding my kids, and mending my kids. Amen? Finding, feeding, and mending. And so when I think about the majority of my time spent with my kids, it's where are they? Because back in the day when they were smaller, I lost. Did anybody lose their kids at all? (laughs) Holy smokes, man. Like I lost them all the time. I've told you stories about that. Like, whew. I, I've told you this one, but I'm telling you, never in a moment had I had such a panic attack. Sedgwick County Park, we're in the park there in their little play area. I lost my son. He's, I don't know, five or six years old. That scared me, but mostly my wife scared me because she was, I was like, she's going to kill me, right? And looked all over, knocking, you remember, knocking on car windows. I'm trying to open people's cars as they're driving out. I was a lunatic, right? Because I thought I had lost my son. And if you remember where he, he was pooping in a bush inside of the park right there. <laughs> And if you remember, I kept saying, Tyson, where were you? And he says, Daddy, I saw you. I was pooping behind the bush. And I'm like, wow. It's hard shepherding. It's hard. It's hard work. And most of my life was finding my kids, feeding my kids, or literally mending their wounds because they were always getting wounded. And I look at this and I'm going, Lord, all of this analogy of shepherding in Scripture, it's got to be like, no, especially in those days. In, in the New Testament, everybody looked down on shepherds. Nobody, like it's something that you did if you couldn't make it in something else. And yet you're the God of the universe that not only doesn't look down on it, you're, you call your name the great shepherd. There's something about shepherding that you absolutely love. And I, and I think I know why as I've studied this a little bit, this imagery that's used in those days, although we don't fully understand it, this identity of Jehovah Rohi, the Lord is my shepherd, this is how God sees us. And so it's how he sees himself, that he is shepherding each one of us. And so we're going to do some work on this. If God is the shepherd, what are we? We're sheep. Now, I know we live in a culture, and I love those hats that say, you know, lions, not sheep, or whatever it is. I get that. In our culture, I love that. But when we stand for the Lord, throw that sucker off and say, I'm a sheep, all right? I'm a sheep. Because when we come before the Lord, here's what it says in Psalm 103, 100 verse 3. Know that the Lord, he is God, it is he who has made us, and we not ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. That's the way in which he identifies us. We're the sheep of his pasture. In Isaiah 53, 6, it says, all we like sheep. So now, again, it's a likening. All we like sheep. We all do it. He says, we've all gone astray. He says, not only have we all gone astray, we've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. And so when you look at an animal like a sheep, when you look at an animal, they are prone to certain things. One, they are prone to wander away. They are prone to get lost. Sheep are dumb, okay? They're dumb. Like they're prone to get lost. They they don't have a lot of protective attributes like you know, it's like my wool's going to get you or whatever, right? It's like they're just they're not they don't have defensive things. 
And so they're not smart, they're somewhat blind, they don't see well, and, and they just, they're, just, they're just kind of a dumb animal. And so I'm like, thanks, Lord, we're sheep. Okay, so, so here's what he's saying, but it's better than a fainting goat. Somebody say amen to that. <laughs> What's your defense? Uh. <laughs> the, the problem is this. Because sheep are prone to wander, they're prone to, they're prone to go their own way. They lose sight of the pack, and they're prone to get away, and, and they wander into things that cause chaos in their life, whether they can't find food or, or shelter, or there's vicious wolves or animals a- after them to attack them. They, they, they're prone to do that, but they're not that much different than in our life. We're prone to do that. We're prone in our own life, you and I, as Americans especially, that are very individualistic and very like we're independent and individual, we are prone to say, I don't need somebody shepherding me. I shepherd my own life. And the problem when we try to shepherd our own life, we're supposed to be sheep and we don't want to shepherd, we're trying to shepherd our own life, is we're going to look like this. Have you seen the sheep out there? Can you bring that picture up, whoever's back there? Yeah, right there. I read an article on this guy. Go to that next slide, would you? This, this was, this, that's his face that you can kind of see there in the front. So this sheep had gotten lost for six years. 2005, they found this guy. And in 2005, when they found this guy, he had been lost for six years. And the problem was, is that over those six years, because he was never tended to like he was supposed to be, he had hid himself in a cave, and he would only eat when the grass grew right in front of him. Because he spent six years, they found bite marks all over him where animals had tried to get to him. When they finally shaved off all of his wool, what they found is he was terribly skinny. Doesn't look skinny, right? But he was terribly skinny, he was malnourished, and they said that he was going blind because his wool had grown over his eyes, and he was so unkept, the weight of his wool was crushing him. And so all this is trying to say is, that sheep, when it was with the shepherd, it was tended to and taken care of. When that sheep decided to go its own way and it got lost, it almost died. And it's not different than you and I. It's not different than you and I. We're the same exact as that sheep right there. I think they called his name um, Barak or something like that. You can research it. And, and, and what it says is this. Another year or two, he would have died under the weight of what was crushing him. How many of you guys ever felt like you were dying under the weight of what's trying to crush you? That you were never supposed to bear, that you were supposed to bring to the great shepherd. <clears throat> this is why the shepherding imagery is so important for us. The Lord is our shepherd. He is Jehovah Rohi. And some of us feel the weight of life and it's blinding us, it's strangling us, it's overwhelming us. We're walking around and we feel malnourished in life and it's because we've tried to run in our own strength. And so David gets this vision from the Lord in Psalm 23. It's his famous one. He knows what it means to be a shepherd because he did it. Let me read this, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down. This is where that word comes from. Jehovah Rohi comes from, the Lord is my shepherd, okay? 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. You've heard this. Some of you guys probably have this memorized. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David gets this revelation of who God is. He's like a shepherd, because David spent his life shepherding. He's like, he's like a shepherd who cares deeply for his sheep, because when David was a shepherd, he cared deeply for the flock. So he gives this, he's like, God's name is Jehovah Rohi. He is the Lord God, my shepherd. And here's what David knows about shepherds. A shepherd lays his life down. A shepherd, David says this in um, uh, 1 Samuel 17. He said when he's getting ready to fight Goliath, he's like, I'm not afraid of him because the God who's with me helped me to beat the bear and beat the lion when it tried to come and snatch one of my sheep. So he understands when I'm against odds that way outnumber me, as long as I shepherd well, as long as God's with me, I can overcome that. So he's like, this is what it's like with the Lord. When the Lord shepherds my heart in the same way that I would fight things that way outnumbered or overwhelmed those sheep, when I'm fighting my battles and the great shepherd is over me, I am with him and he overwhelms my enemies. So do a little work on this. So he paints this picture of Rohi, the shepherd who sees his flock as valuable. I want to make sure you hear that. A shepherd sees his flock. A shepherd doesn't settle with, you know what, I lost one, no big deal. Because every single sheep has value. Every single sheep means something. There's a price on every single one of those sheep. And if they're a hired shepherd, they've got to pay that price. So every sheep is meaningful, even if it means putting my life on the line to save the flock, I'm willing to do it. And it's so revelatory of who Jesus is, that he's placed a price on every one of us. What's his price? His life. That the blood of the lamb, the blood of Christ was spilled, and he bought you with a price, scripture says. There's a price over your life. So he doesn't settle with, you know what, I'm okay if one of you's lost. And so David sees this, calls God Jehovah Rohi, and he says, this is how God shepherds our hearts. And so how does he shepherd our hearts? I want to talk about um, six real quick ways in which God is Jehovah Rohi and he shepherds our hearts. Um, number one, David says these words, the Lord is my, somebody say my. My shepherd, the Lord, yes, I know the Lord is Casey's too, but he's mine. I know the Lord loves you, Angie, and he's yours, but he's mine. There's a personal relationship that David's saying. David doesn't say the Lord is a shepherd or the Lord shepherds all of Israel, which are all true statements. He says the Lord is my shepherd, meaning then that I've got a shepherd over my life. I don't get to go my own direction. Amen. There's something personal that David wants you to know when he says, the Lord is my shepherd. And what he's saying is, he is a personal shepherd. He tends, yes, to the flock, but he tends to my heart as well. He tends to my wounds. He takes care of my provision. The Lord is my shepherd. This, this, this is a reminder of the intimacy that God has with his people individually. His sheep individually know him and he knows them. Yes, they're a part of a flock, but there's something very, very deep in this. This is why 
Um, last week when we said, God is El Roy, he's the God who sees me, there was something about going, no, yes, he sees eight billion people, but he sees me. And this is the same thing David's saying. Yes, he shepherds, he shepherds billions of people, but he shepherds me. He cares about me. Let me give you a story of this. My, my mom and dad, they retired out to our family farm uh, about 45 minutes away, and they, we've got cows and sheep and uh, chickens and all that stuff. And so these sheep are dumb, all right? And, and so one of the, the sheep had given birth to twins. This was years ago when we were growing up. And they'd given birth to twins. And the mama uh, rejected one of them and kept one of them. So one of the sheep was lying out there and was you know, going to waste away and die. And so my dad goes out there. We start bottle feeding this little lamb. And as we're bottle feeding this lamb, this lamb grows to recognize that we are caring for, specifically my dad and my mom are caring for. So they named her Redemption. Isn't that a cool deal? All right. And so redemption, she starts growing, and she starts growing in stature. She starts growing in strength. She's, she's uh, nourished now. She's got the nutrients that she needs. And so every time my dad would go out there, she'd be waiting at the fence, just jumping, a little lamb. It was, oh, get you in all the feels, right? <laughs> and so he could call her name, redemption. All the other sheep would run away because they're dumb, Right? But redemption recognized the voice of the one who takes care of her, saved her, the one who feeds her. So here's the cool thing. So she's growing up. She knows that voice, and it was beautiful. So then later on, she gets, you know, she's, she's grown up now. Now she has twins. And when she has twins, while all the other sheep run away, not just redemption comes, but her twins come because they are now recognizing that voice is the hand that feeds us. And provides for us and takes care of us. This is what it looks like when David says, the Lord is my shepherd. He knows me and I know him. And I don't run from him, I run to him. Amen? We'll talk about that in John 10 here in just a minute. So it's personal. Um, number two, um, uh, he is a providing shepherd. So he's not just a personal shepherd, he's a providing shepherd. Look at verse two. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. I love that the Lord makes us do it, amen? Because if you're any stubborn, any stubborn people, you won't even raise your hand, you're so dang stubborn. <laughs> stubborn people are like, nobody makes me do anything, right? And this would be me with the Lord. The Lord, he says, he makes me lie down. Do you know how many times you're running in life and ministry and marriage or whatever, and the Lord's like, hey, stop, rest, take a break. Look, I've got something better for you. Just stop. And then my response is, Lord, I don't need to rest. And he's like, well, I did on the seventh day. And I'm like, well, that's you, right? And we're, we're messed up people. And I'm running. I'm like, I don't want to. And he goes, oh, you thought I was asking you. Boom, I'm going to make you lie down, and I'm lying down, and I'm like, okay, I'm done. He goes, no, you're not. He makes me lie down, and this is a big deal. Because we're prone to run, 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 and the farther, harder we run, the, the more we think we're going to get accomplished in life. And yet in Scripture, the more we rest in him and wait on him, the more things happen in life. 
And so he says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. And I love this because green pastures are really twofold. One, yes, it's sustenance in a dry and arid place. The shepherd would go and find these pasture lands where the sheep could feed, even in the midst of rocks and you know, cliffs and, and dry desert-type lands. They would go and find the lush green pastures. So it was food, but it was also, if you've ever just taken a moment in the spring or in the fall, and you go and lay down in lush grass, I'd say spring or fall because you can't in summer with Kansas, right? You lie down and you feel the sun ray down and the grass, man, it does something to your soul. To just lay down and take a minute with the Lord, it does something to you. And so he says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He knows exactly how my heart needs rest. And he leads me beside still waters. Yes, waters so that it'll, wow. Yes, water so that it'll refresh me, all of that stuff. But you know if you've ever just needed a moment where you could just hear the Lord, amen, yeah, where you could just hear the Lord and you sit by just this quiet stream, it's surreal, amen? It's why most of you watch Bob Ross because you get lost in him. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing, Bob, but you're tantalizing my heart right now. Do you guys know what I'm saying? Young people, Bob Ross, big, okay. So he shepherds our heart, and we get it. Like, it's a place of rest. He's a place of rest. He's a place of rest. Um, number three, he's a restoring shepherd. He restores my, if you're breathing today, then life has tried you. Life has tried you. Life has tried to beat you up. Life has tried to come against your soul. You've taken a beating. You've been exhausted in life. You felt empty in life. You felt frustrated in life. You've struggled in life, whether that's right now, whether you have in the past, or whether you, you, you're, it's coming at some point. Life is going to try you, and yet David says these words, even in the midst of life trying me. In the midst of enemies encamping around me. In the midst of my son trying to kill me, right? So one of David's son is trying to kill him. In the midst of Saul trying to In the midst of all these things, David says these things. You're the shepherd that restores my soul. That word restore means bring back. Restore means to bring back. You bring back my soul. What's he bringing it back from? He's bringing your soul back from feeling like it's about to fully break. You're bringing it back from the place of despair that says, I'll never. You're bringing it back from the place of, of hopelessness that says, I'll never have hope. You're bringing it back from the place of complete, just feeling like it's been so shattered that it'll never. And he's like, I'm bringing it back. I'm breathing on your soul. I'm bringing it back within me. And David's going, ah, you restore my soul. When we stray and we take our eyes off the shepherd, you restore my soul, when busyness and burdens of life and ministry and family and everything gets me down, you restore my soul. And look what he says right after this. He says, having our souls restored, you restore my soul. He says, and then he leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Once he restores us, he's like, you remember how your soul got there, you start putting your hope into something else. Or remember how your soul got there when it was really down is you allowed the things of the world to break against you. You allowed the things of the world, lies of the world to break against you. Remember, so now here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to restore your soul, then I'm going to get you on a path of righteousness for my namesake. I'm not going to let you do your sheep thing where you just follow blindly other things. You're going to know my voice. I'm going to get you on that path. So he's a shepherd who restores 
And then he is a protecting shepherd. Even though, somebody say even though. That's like I will. I will walk through valleys of the shadow of death. I, I, we need to know that. Even though, David's like, I know I'm gonna go through these valleys. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You are with me and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I, I love the rod and the staff imagery. Look, you've probably heard a thousand messages on Psalm 23. I'm just asking, do you remember it today that he shepherds your heart? He's got a rod and a staff. He didn't say one, he said a rod and a staff. When I think of a staff of a shepherd that's got that little end on it, you know what I mean, the crook on it, what is that for? That rod and a staff, that's a correction. That little hook, you could grab those sheep by the neck or grab them by the leg and pull them over. Do you know that I have a tendency to go wayward from time to time? Anybody in here? Yeah, don't act like I'm the only one. I got a little nature sometimes in me. It's like, but I don't want to do that, God. I want to do this. I don't want to go that. I want. And so he is so loving as a shepherd that he's not going to let me get off that path. He's going to correct my life and bring me back. It is honestly the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. It's his kindness. His correction in your life is kindness to bring you back because he knows if you keep going down the path that you want to go down or down that little ledge that you want to go down, he knows it's not good for you. So he corrects us. And then he's got his staff. And that staff was that, when I think of that staff, I think of that as that protection against that bear or that lion or those thieves or whatever it is. Scripture tells us in 1 Peter 5 8, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking to devour, someone to devour. So Jesus, as that great shepherd, the Lord as that great shepherd knows, if you go off away from him, you're prone to an attack from some kind of wild animal. But with that shepherd there, that lion's not coming. That beast is not coming because that shepherd is that sheep's protection. But I want to go back real quick to this word where he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I read this, um, and I really liked it. Um, all of us are going to walk through valleys, all of us. We've walked through valleys. We're going to walk through valleys where you feel trapped and lonely and hopeless. And here's what it says. Valleys have an entrance and an exit. Why would a shepherd lead his sheep into a valley filled with danger to get you to some better place? Sometimes God must lead us to the valley to get you to where you need to be. Don't mistake the process for the purpose. The process is temporary. The purpose is eternal. You can't hurry up the process. The only way out is through. I can do all things, Scripture says, through Christ. Here's what I love about this, though, they said. The word that David says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He doesn't say I walk through death. He says I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And this commentary says, shadows can't hurt you. Shadows can't hurt you. But what do shadows do? They scare you. Shadows try to incite fear in you. Shadows try to worry you. Shadows try to get fear in your life. Shadows can't actually hurt you. Most of the time when we're trying to run away, it's because we fear what the enemy could do, but we forget what the power of God did. So this shadow of this valley of death isn't death, it's a shadow trying to scare us. But when we've got Jesus, we've got the great shepherd, we've got the one leading the way, it says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. In other words, I'm not going to fear because my eyes are fixed on him even though the shadow's there to scare me. Look what he says. They can be scary 
But where there is a shadow, there has to be light. That's why we get a shadow. So in front of me, there is a light which is casting the shadow in the valley. Amen? Come on, church. He's a protecting shepherd, even in the valley of shadow of death. Uh, five, he's an honoring shepherd. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Let me just do two things on this. There's two ways you could look at this oil. So David's looking at this going, man, God honors me as an honored guest at his table. You've been invited to the table of God. This is what he's doing as a shepherd of your heart. Some of you go, man, I could never sit at the table of God. There's no way. You don't know what I did this weekend. You know, and he's going, I'm honoring you as an honored guest at my table, not based on what you've done, but based on what I've done. And so here's how he's honoring. The guy who comes in and sits at a table when they were invited in, in this custom and in this time, a little bit of anointing oil had perfume and different things on it would be placed on their head. Remember, dusty, smelly areas. So when you were an honored guest invited to a table, you would have oil placed on your head. It signified something. I stink and love you. I care about you. Here's some oil, right? So there's the first thing that David probably gets. God is honoring me at his table. But there's another thing that they did with oil. Angie brought this a couple of years ago that they would do with sheep, a shepherd would do with sheep. Because sheep were prone to bugs and flies and gnats and mosquitoes and all those kinds of things around their face because they had their wool, those things would bury and burrow themselves into the sheep's ears. Do you guys remember that? And when they burrowed themselves into the sheep's ears, a sheep didn't have any natural defense except they would take their head and they would ram it against a tree or a rock. Why? Somebody say they're dumb. I'm just kidding. They would ramp because they're trying to get all the noise and the buzzing and the itching and the scratching and they can't do it. So the shepherd would take like a real thick type oil and he would anoint the heads of each and every one of his sheep so that the bugs and the noise and the, you know, the, the misery would not get in their ears. Isn't that interesting? That when he says, I anoint your head with oil, you could look at it as that honored guest. You could also look at it and, he, and the Lord's going, I love you so, not, so much. I know that the noise and the messiness and the voices and the lies and the deceit of life are going to try to come into your ears. And you're going to butt your head up against all the reasons that those lies are right or wrong or whatever. And you're just going to keep butting your head up. And he goes, I anoint your head with oil. I have put the Holy Spirit over you. He's an honoring shepherd. And then finally, he's a giving shepherd. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Um, man, I love this. He's a giving shepherd because he gives us his goodness and his mercy. I, I like a commentary I read on this. If Jesus is the shepherd in front of us, right, he's protecting us and he's leading us and he's guiding us, then um, his sheepdogs are goodness and mercy behind us. And they're nipping out our heels behind us and they're getting us to go and we're like oh that's good lord right but then some of us who are wayward come on every now and again prone to wander lord i feel it when i start to go down my own path and think that i know better than the lord and i start to go do you know what's there to catch me mercy so i've got his goodness following me all the days of my life and he could have said oh my goodness will follow you all the days of my life but he goes i know how sheep are you need my mercy as well so I've got the goodness of the Lord that's been gifted to me, and I've got the mercy, uh, the, the, the mercy of the Lord that's been gifted to me. Surely your goodness and your mercy will pursue me all the days of my life. And let me, let me just talk about that for just a minute and why that's profound, and then we'll spend some time praying. I said it at the very start. I'm going to go back and say it again. Jesus is not okay 
with 99 out of 100. Jesus is going to come on the scene. He's going to get labeled in John 10. He's going to take the manifest. He's the word that became flesh. He's the word that became flesh. He's God incarnate. He's going to come in, John 10, 10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came they may have life and have it abundantly. I am, Jesus says, the good shepherd. He didn't say, I am a good shepherd. I am the. I am Jehovah Rohai. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Here's what Jesus is saying. I'm the one who's fulfilling who God was in a manifest character right now in Jesus Christ, in the flesh. I'm the good shepherd. And here's what Jesus is going to give a parable in, in Matthew 18, I believe it is, when he says about the whole, you know, coins, and then he's talking about the, the prodigal son, but he tells the parable of the lost sheep, and he says, won't the shepherd leave the 99 and go find the one? Now, why, why does God want us to understand that? Because in our life, your, your life and my life, we settle for 99%, amen? If I get a stinking 99% on a test, I'm living it up. Anybody in here living it up? Perfectionism does not live in me in that, Amen? I don't think I touched a 99% in a long time. So we, we're good with that. I got 99%. I did really well. We're, we're, we're not perfectionists in that, but in some things we are perfectionists in. If you get on an airplane and a pilot tells you, I've landed 99% of the time, you're like, not sure if I want to get on with you. So you're saying you've crashed. Yeah, I've crashed. And so it checks your heart, right? There's something you're like, I, that's unsettling. If Jacob Hall, our youth pastor, takes your students on a youth retreat and says, I brought back 99% of them, that's not good. <laughs> you're fired. I see him back there, right? That's not, like, we're not okay with that. There are some things we're okay with, and there are some things. And when there's a life involved, we're not okay with it. So the Lord's going, I'm not okay with 99% of my sheep being in the fold. I want all of you. And so he is in this relentless pursuit of us. And so here's what I want to do this morning. I want to challenge you. Is, and, and I'm not Brian come up with the team, they're going to play this real quick, but is the Lord shepherding your heart? L listen, I know you know he needs to. That's not what I'm asking. Is he shepherding your heart? Does he shepherd your marriage? Does he shepherd your finances? Does he shepherd your job? Does he shepherd... Does he shepherd your friendships? Does the Lord shepherd your heart? Is he the good shepherd to you? Or do you feel like, well, God, I've given you a little bit, but I still like these other areas where I get to do what I want to do. And if there's tension there, I just want to give you an opportunity this morning to lay those things down before the Lord and invite him in this Advent season to be the good shepherd. Amen? So I'm going to pray over us and we'll sing this song. Father, we are so in love with you. Jesus, we pray this morning. That as the great shepherd, you would come and shepherd our hearts. God, our marriages, you would show us, God, that you are truly provision, that you are truly protection, that you are truly healing, that you are truly the one, God, who when I get off course and I go wayward, you're the one that brings me back. In this season, God, as, especially as American Christians, Lord, it's easy to try to blow through the season because we got things to do in the new year. When right now, what we really need to do is lay our life down as sheep and say, Lord, we are under your shepherding. We are under your shepherding. 
I don't plan my own path, I ask you. I don't chase my, chase my own success, I come to you. So Lord, I don't know where people are at in their hearts this morning as seeing you as shepherd, but I pray, would you bring a revelation on our hearts of what it looks like for you to shepherd every area? every area. Thank you so much for tuning in for today's word. We hope that it continues to encourage you and bless you as you go about your day to day. Until then, we will see you next Sunday. Have a great week.